Welcome to the Radical Departures podcast, your source for startup storytelling. We're your hosts, Abby and Chris. You'll hear informative discussions full of valuable expertise and actionable insight on the issues you face when launching and growing your startup. This is Episode 6 of the Radical Departures podcast. Our guest today is Cassandra Delage, founder of Plastif. Following her graduation from McGill University in Montreal, Cassandra got a master's in entrepreneurship at HEC here in Paris. Since then, she's gone on to found a great new company that makes recycling a fun and productive challenge. Yes, really. Plastif makes machines that take offices' plastic recycling and turn it into 3D-printed objects. In this episode, Cassandra describes how Plastif's technology works, what the company is currently focused on, how she thinks about being an entrepreneur, and the importance of the little wins and keeping a positive attitude. We had a great time talking to Cassandra, and we're sure Plastif will soon be present in every office building in the city. So without further ado, here's Episode 6 with Cassandra Delage. So we're here today with Cassandra Delage of Plastif. Welcome, Cassandra. Hi, thanks. Thanks for being here. Cassandra, you're a newcomer, relative newcomer to Paris, to France. Tell us a little bit about your background, what brought you here, and how you got to this point at Plastif. Sure. So I'm born and raised in Montreal. I did all my studies there. I finished my bachelor's degree at McGill, and then I started my master's degree here in France at HEC in entrepreneurship. And so that's how I moved here and then launched my startup, Plastif. Well, first off, tell us a little bit about what Plastif is. What's the company offering? So Plastif is actually a machine that recycles all plastic waste of employees in businesses, so at their headquarters, and allows them to 3D print new objects from that waste. So the goal is really to create a whole recycling process in front of the employees in order to see the actual impact of your actions. So you come with your water bottle or your coffee cup after drinking, and then our machine does all the recycling. So it analyzes the plastic, it shreds it, it transforms it into filament that's directly connected to the 3D printer that's in the machine. And so employees can basically come with their plastic waste and print new objects from that plastic waste. So by creating such a short circuit, you can really see the impact of your actions. And that's the goal. Oh, cool. Now, how did you come up with this idea? Was it you were looking in the office recycle bin saying, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Kind of. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. So I did three summers of internships in Paris, and that's kind of what happened, basically. And I didn't understand because in Canada, everyone recycles, everyone composts, everyone's super eco-friendly, or kind of. In France, I thought, well, it's weird. Why don't people actually want to recycle or what's the difference? And I think it's a question of mentality. And if you tell yourself, well, this water bottle isn't going to make a difference, then you don't recycle it. And then that's how it accumulates. So you have to kind of change the mentality and show that recycling is worth it and that each water bottle should be recycled. How long does the process take? When you put your waste in, and mm-hmm. how long does it take to print? An so it depends then? on the object okay. that's going to be printed. But employees can accumulate their plastic under their name, so they identify themselves on the machine, and so they don't have to recycle 
every time they throw their waste, they can recycle at the end of the week, at the end of the month, and then print bigger objects or other objects. So it really depends on the object that's printed. And since everything is a catalog that's pre-programmed in the machine, we optimize all of the printing and the timing and the plastic that's needed in order to print an object. Okay. Such a cool idea. <laughs> it is. And I think when you see all that stuff collecting, it, it does register more. And then I think it's a really cool idea to be able to kind of show, hey, this person put in this. So you, you know, you get your little star. That, that's a really good idea. Exactly. And then in the catalog that's pre-programmed, you can actually do it with your team. So it could be, for example, the marketing department versus the finance department. And mm -hmm. you can recycle together, encourage your colleagues to recycle, work together in order to print an object together. And so by creating this team building and this excitement around recycling, it's so much more interesting. And so the other objects that you can actually print is either objects for you. So it could be, for example, a computer riser or a phone protector, or it could be objects for the community. So it could be a prothesis that would be given back to people that actually need it, right? So it could be objects that for people that need 3D printed objects. Now, have you chosen specific organizations? How did you get your foot in the door with where this will be implemented? Well, with our clients, it's basically, for now, it's just contacting them and right. talking to uh, CSR directors and showing them that recycling can be interesting for everyone and also for the company. Because we're able to tell you that, well, you, Chris, you recycled X number of bottles during this month and your impact was a lot less, right, in terms, in terms of CO2 that you produce because you recycled all those plastic bottles. Right. So it's actually really interesting for companies too. So basically for we've been contacting companies and contacting also associations to see what would they want to 3D print and actually get back. Do you find people going out around Paris and picking up more plastic bottles so they have more to bring in? That's the goal. We have a finance team. I never liked Joe in finance. <laughs> we also want to be careful about that because we don't want to encourage people to actually buy water bottles and right. consume plastic. So there's also a huge education and workshop plan around it to teach people to recycle better and not to consume more plastic. I think in Paris, at least, the recycling is better than it used to be. It used to be non-existent. It was horrible. But I think compared to other places, it really has a lot of room mm -hmm. for growth. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And I think having that reward for doing something good, is a, yeah. that's a cool idea. How did you go from your previous work experience? How did you do the migration into what seems like a pretty technical, you know, engineering kind of a, an offering? Well, it was relatively easy because I launched my first startup when I was 16. Like I said, after God, you're an underachiever. <laughs> God, man. And so after I did my bachelor's degree and then I moved here and I knew I wanted to launch a startup. Right. So the idea came first. And then since, like I said, I have a business background, it was just getting the right people on the team and getting those technical expertise to make this machine work. And how did you go about doing that? How did you meet those technical people? Where? So we were incubated at Uzinayo for a few months, and that's how the idea was able to really develop. And I was able to have a, a huge engineering team help me to tell me, okay, well, this is not possible technically, and work around those big uh, challenges. And then afterwards, I had an engineer that 
uh, started to work with me in May, and now there's three more engineers that are going to join the team before the end of the month. That's great. Mm -hmm. okay. And did you find them from networking through people that you know, people from Uzineo? I think that's a, a good skill to have to know how mm -hmm. to find the right people. A lot of networking, a lot yeah. of talking about the idea of asking people, well, who would be interested? Do you know anyone that would like to join the team? And the ecological side really appeals to a lot of people, right. and especially our generation where I think we're a lot more sensitive and we want the challenge of the ecological, the startup and uh, all of those aspects. These people that you've partnered with or that you got to join the team, they're like engineering geeks. Uh, Pretty much. Yeah. They don't like when I call them geeks. But... <laughs> <laughs> Abby doesn't like it when I call her a geek. But, you know, look, you just got to do what you got to do. <laughs> And now, how do you go about getting these machines into more companies? Is it just a lot of cold calling or? For now, it's a lot of cold calling. We're only at the MVP stage. Mm -hmm. And then since CSR is kind of a small bubble, a lot of people talk to each other. So that really helps. But for now, it's a lot of cold calling. And then afterwards, it'll, it'll be networking. It'll be from recyclers. It'll be from other channels. And hopefully it will just become a thing of like, of course, everybody has a yeah. plastic Obviously. Machine. Yeah. Why would you not? And do you find when you, what kind of success rate do you typically find when you visit companies or organizations and talk about it? Is it like a one out of two? I'm just curious what your odds are. Because cold calling is, can be a rough business. It's tough work. I don't know if it's one out of two, but it's quite high because when you talk to CSR de departments and you tell them, well, we can actually interest people to recycle, your employees are going to be excited about it. You can actually benefit from it because we can tell you how much you've actually recycled and your impact. Because today, recyclers, what they offer is basically a box where you can throw your bottle in or not. So companies don't actually know how much they're recycling. Right. And I can tell you precisely how much because all of the water bottles are counted or all of the coffee cups are counted or all of the plastic forks, basically. So it's the fact that you appeal to your clients and also your employees gets people quite excited about the project. And how big is, is the device that collects and then does the melting? So it's basically human height. So let's say a meter 70 roughly. And then the diameter is a meter by in diameter because okay. it's a round, right? And then that's what everything goes into that. You fill it. It just waits till it hits like a certain point and then it does the... Exactly. Does it sort plastic or it does it... It sorts the plastic, yeah. Okay. So we can tell you a plastic water bottle is PET and it'll be sorted differently than a plastic cup because the plastics have very different characteristics. Mm -hmm. So they need to be separate and then they're shredded, and then we produce the filament. Yeah, because I always thought that the bottle caps are a very different type are of plastic exactly. than the actual yeah, bottle. Absolutely. And that's why we want to teach people that not everyone actually knows that. And when you recycle, let's say at home, it's better if you take off the cap of your water bottle and then you put in the recycling yeah. because the companies behind it, it's a lot easier for them to recycle it. right? So we want to integrate that aspect in the machine by teaching them well, if you put in a water bottle on the touch screen, we'll, be, we'll tell you, well, please remove the water cap. And then people will actually learn. And it's also during the workshops that people can actually learn those little aspects but that yeah. make a, a big difference. Yeah, I had no idea. We, uh, a few years back, a cousin had uh, stayed. They were doing work at their apartment. And 
she's a bit of a general, which was fantastic for organizing. <laughs> and she helped organize the entire flat with breaking down everything. And I had no idea. And I think mm -hmm. most people probably have mm -hmm. no idea that you need to separate those pieces. Yeah, exactly. Now, why did you choose to stay in France after coming to HEC and open your company here? Because I think there's a lot of recycling that can be done here. <laughs> a lot of potential. Yeah. A lot of potential that can be done here. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And I did McGill in Montreal because I wanted to start a new chapter. And then I knew that I wanted to move out of Canada to start a new adventure. And so why not here? Okay. How did you find the transition from working with other companies here to going out and start your own startup in Paris? How did I go from internships to... Yeah, did startup? you find, like, I'm sure you learned a lot doing the internships, and then it's probably been another learning experience creating your own company. Yeah, quite a challenge in terms of administration, <laughs> but it's okay. Like I said, I already launched a first startup, and so I knew that it was a big workload, and then it's just one step at a time, right? So it's one milestone that you need to reach and then the other. And then it's just a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication. Yeah. And you need the, the drive for it, the personality to do it. But it's a lot of fun. It's a great adventure. Have you found that networking with different organizations, has that been beneficial? Has that helped you with new introductions, with new business opportunities? Every time I meet someone, it's always great opportunity to talk about the machine, whether it's to get feedback about the machine or to meet new people. Every person is a great opportunity, right? I do find people in the startup world, outsiders will often, French people will make jokes about how the French are not necessarily immediately warm and fuzzy, but I find in the startup world, people are pretty open and friendly and... Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of friends that are launching startups and we're kind of in the same bubble, so we all give a ourselves uh, a hand, whether it's to meet new people and when you meet organizations. I think French people still want to open doors to, to startups and they're very fond of it. And no, I think it's still a little fuzzy world. Do things like meetups? Do you go to events like that? Do you find them beneficial? Yeah, I do a lot of uh, networking. And then at a certain point, sometimes you have to stop because you still need to be behind your computer. Or... It can take a life of its own. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. You still need to do your calls. So I still go to events, a little bit less than before, but I still do it because it's, like I said, meeting people is so beneficial for a startup. Now, what about pitch competitions? Have you been active with pitch competitions? Yeah, I've done a few. Recently, we won a contest that's called Live for Good. So it's for social entrepreneurs that want to change the world. So we're five that won. And so we're mentored by Le Mouvji. We're incubated at La Ruche du 20e. We're getting help from Microsoft. We won a trip for, to the Philippines to go see a social business that's there. Cool. So that's a great contest that we won recently. And that definitely helps. And they help us a lot to meet new people and meet the right people or meet experts when we have a question or even just to have coffee and to be like, oh, this is not a great day, <laughs> but it's okay. Yeah, I was going to ask, who do you go to for guidance? It depends on the problem of the moment, right? But it could be friends that have a startup and that know exactly what you're going through or people that already launched a startup, so other entrepreneurs. Or it's family back home because you're having a bad day. It really depends. Mm -hmm. But you can always have someone on the phone or for coffee that really helps. You're working in those offices. 
will you eventually move out of there, go into your own office, or will you do like one of these, like WeWorks or something like that, one of those offices? So now we're incubated there. We're also incubated at Paris & Co. We are prototyping and iterating and working on the machine in the fab lab called Woma. That's mm -hmm. in the 19th. So for now, we're incubated and we're very happy because we get to meet a lot of people and it helps us a lot. And then eventually, yeah, we'll have our, our own offices, but it's not for now. How much interaction do you have with Microsoft Ventures uh, if they're helping out? Because they're quite active here. It just started. We're mentored by one of the founders of Live for Good that also works for Microsoft. And so we're seeing him every month for the next year. So it just started, right, with September, but we'll see. They've got a big office here just outside of town. Uh, hopefully mm -hmm. they're going to start setting up your uh, <laughs> offering there. They should. If they haven't, they need to do it now. <laughs> lots of floors in that office. Lots of floors, lots of potential. <laughs> lots of plastic. Lots of plastic. <laughs> exactly. Lots of plastic to recycle. Have you, besides the Paris area, have you gone to other parts of France to try to promote this or are you sticking to Paris for now? For now, it'll be more in Paris because there's a lot of uh, big companies that are here, yeah. which is basically our clients. So we're focusing on uh, Lille de France for now, and then we'll see for the rest of France. Right now, we're only at the MVP stage, right? So it's still just in Paris. The device that you have, is that made here in France? Yeah, everything. We're trying to source it in France. We're trying to keep it short circuit because we don't want to have a huge impact either. So. For sure, we're trying to keep it close. Would the idea be eventually to make a home version of this too, so that people could do it at home? Or is it really business, like where you have a higher concentration of people? Um, our initial uh, vision was really in businesses mm -hmm. because we wanted to recycle as much plastic and touch as many people as possible. Yeah. By putting a machine in a headquarter of a big company, you get to touch, for example, 100 employees at the same time. and. All of those people will actually see the impact of their actions and maybe at home, go home and recycle better, right? So our goal is really to touch as many people in order to incite them to recycle. Whereas if you put it in someone's home, you get to touch only that little family. So our goal is to have the biggest impact and to help people. So it's more on the larger scale. Okay. Yeah, because the offices, you go out to the Défense, there has to be tons exactly. of opportunity out there. Exactly. Now, what have you found to be the largest obstacles? What's been the toughest part of your journey so far? I think every day there's little challenges <laughs> that you need to go through. <laughs> but at the very beginning, it was a lot of technical challenges. And so that's how we got to meet engineers. And they really helped us with those big technical challenges. And then, like I said, it's really day to day. There's always little problems here and there that you need to handle. What are you most proud of so far? I guess what we're able to develop. So today I'm proud of everything we were able to create. And then tomorrow I'll be happy about those little wins that you get every day. Those uh, calls that you get from clients that say, we're super interested, we want to recycle better. It's those little wins that make your day and that, that make that big success. That's a really good mindset too, I think, because then, you know, every day you have, when you look back at just that day, you can be mm -hmm. grateful for this for and sure. proud of that. And, and I think you need to do that. You need to appreciate those little wins. Yeah, because sometimes they're all you have. <laughs> sometimes that's all you have. <laughs> Hang on to them. Now, how do you see moving forward? How do you get the word out so everybody, every office will want this? 
So right now it's finishing the MVP and then it's putting that MVP at uh, the headquarters of our clients, Iterate, and then launch our industrialization. In order to get the word out, it's basically to talk to people, to network, right. to talk to clients, make sure that they talk to other people. It's media, it's different ways. And what do you use for your promotion now? Do you use Facebook or LinkedIn, Twitter? Are those tools typical? Are they helpful for you? Definitely, yeah, for sure. Social media helps a lot because you get to touch so many people at the same time or do conferences. And then if you retweet those conferences, that also helps. But yeah, definitely. And as far as conferences go, will you be participating in specific types of conferences to make more noise in the market? For sure. And last week, the Live for Good contest basically announced the winners at the Salon Convergence. So there was a lot of uh, directors of CSR, for example, of Chanel, Crédit Agricole, etc. So that helps to put the word out and to show these companies that you can recycle better and show them the, the alternatives that are actually possible. I know the makers community, at least here, can be known to be kind of a boys club. What, if any, extra obstacles or challenges have you faced as a woman as part of that community? I get that question sometimes. And for me, I'm not a woman entrepreneur. I'm just an entrepreneur. And that's basically the perspective that I have. So, yes, it's a boys club, but so what? I mean, my place is still there, too. I think that's great. It's a really hard balance to find, though, identifying yourself as a I'm a female entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur. Like, mm -hmm. you don't want to be set apart necessarily no, even more than not. you already are. <laughs> yeah. So one question that comes up a lot with startups is money. You need to grow the company. You're building the company for the future. You need to build more machines. You need to do whatever. And so then the question is, do you find angel investors? Do you go VCs? Do you just grow organically? What's your take on that? How are you positioning the company for the future? People that raise money often don't have the choice, right, to raise money. So they go see VCs or BAs. Personally, if the growth can come organically, I'd love to just grow organically and to do it from within. That's the goal. And then if we need more money, we'll go see business angels but that we'll see. Yeah, it's a tough decision because it's always finding that right balance between giving up a little something to grow more or organic growth. It's not an easy. Yeah. Personally, I'd like to grow organically because I think I'd like to stay kind of at the head of the company with the team and really manage it from within rather than have someone else come in. But they bring that's a really different agenda. Yeah, they, did, they have their own agenda. They have their own agenda. My personal opinion is I think it can be great to take in outside money, but you have to go in with your eyes open and, and know that they have an agenda. And so you need to have an agenda with them and you need to be. It's not a matter of not trusting them, but you have to, you know, they're not your friend. They're never your friend. It's a business deal and you need to always think about that. And they're certainly thinking that. It's a business deal. That being said, but they're also there to help you too, right? Because they win if you grow too. So they're maybe not your friend, but they're not your enemy. And Absolutely. You have to take them on as a, as a partner, as someone right. that can help. But you both have your own agendas. You just need to make sure that they both work together. Now, how would you define success? This is something we like to ask everyone who we talk to. It can be personal, it can be business-wise. 
For Plastif, it's really to change the mentality of as many people as possible. It's to recycle more. It's to entice people. It's to change the behavior, right? So it comes back to the vision of Plastif of creating this change and exciting people about recycling and changing that mentality. So that's what success would be for us. Well, Cassandra, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. And good luck to you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. That wraps up another episode of the Radical Departures podcast. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our feed on iTunes. And join us next time on Radical Departures. Radical Departures.